Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, regular listeners, you may have spotted that we've changed our name. It's now Honey & Co. The Food Sessions. So if you hear this sound, it's just us making dinner. Well, that and the fact that we're not allowed to use our title anymore. It's just been a bit of a thing, but don't worry about it. We hope you enjoy the show. Just don't touch my face. Who run this mother? Who run this mother? Who run this mother? Hi everyone and welcome to Honey and Code. I'm Sarit Packer. This series is called Who Run the World? And we're celebrating women in food. Today we're talking to Faye Mashla. Faye is the food critic for the Evening Standard. She has been going to restaurants, eating glorious food for many years and writing all about it in a fascinating, engaging way, informative, interested and inspiring. We first met Faye just outside our restaurant because she lives just around the corner. And we're very excited that she agreed to come and talk to us about what it is like being a real food critic. I hope you enjoy the episode. A legend with us this evening, a legend of the journalism world and the food writing world and the restaurant critic world. We're talking to Faye Mashler, ladies and gentlemen. There's a restaurant critic for the Evening Standard newspaper. I don't need to tell anyone. She has got the job by winning a contest for the position in 1972. Could you imagine this happening today? This gig was supposed to last for three months, but she's been there for over 40 years. 47 years. 47 this years. Month, uh, really? Yes. We can raise a toast to that, raise a glass to that. Yeah, yeah. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start at 72 before you won the competition. You had any aspiration of being a food critic? No, it wasn't a thing because it wasn't a job that many people have. But I was working in advertising as a copywriter. So I kind of had accounts that were connected with food. I worked for Kellogg's and various other things. and well, not quite fine dining, but okay. <laughs> no, but writing, writing about food. Um, I was a very keen cook, and I had been since I was 12. When my parents moved to the States, and I knew no one and just occupied my time cooking. So a combination of kind of being able to write. Uh, then I went, after advertising, I went to the Radio Times. So I was journalist there for a while. So it was a combination of liking to write, being able to write, being able to earn money as a writer and really being interested in food. 
you apply to this you know, competition, you've won. You always say, you know, I'm good at winning things, which I think is such a... I was a... good at passing exams rather than <laughs> winning things. Well, you, pa- you passed this exam. I passed exam. that exam, yeah. So... The prize, as it were, for this competition was to do the job for three months. But clearly they, why they ran the competition was because they didn't have anyone in mind to do the job after Quentin Crew left. So at the end of th- the three months, they said, oh, will you do another six months? And I said, yes because I was enjoying it, and then nobody ever spoke about it after that. <laughs> <laughs> just went on. It's just one of those things that you say, should I raise the subject? Or, yeah, you know, like, no, just let it go. Was it hard to begin with? Was it, you kind of had to make your own mm. path? There was no... Yes. I mean, to enter the competition, you had to write a, a re- reviews. Quentin yeah. did three, Quentin Crew did three reviews every week with some sort of tenuous link between them in terms of subject matter. So you had to write like that, and then you had to go on like that. So three reviews a week in one article. You know, three restaurants a week in one article. It's a lot. It was a lot of going out, yeah. You are famously one of the very few critics who go more than once. I try to. I nearly always do. Because I think restaurants are different at lunch and at dinner and who you're with. And, you know, there are so many things at play that to go just once seems a little bit unfair particularly at the beginning, and I'm usually there at the beginning. So how, how did you find this world of, of the heyday of journalism? It was good good times for journalism, and the Evening Standard was then a really quite exciting paper, and they were in Shoe Lane, you know, just off Fleet Street, and you could hear the clatter of hot metal. It really was like journalism used to be. Yeah, yeah. like and, the cigarettes and the whiskey. Yeah, and, and the eye shades. And I had a very good editor when I joined, Charles Winter, Anna Winter's dad. And, uh, yeah, it was great. You have kind of were established there. And then the whole food scene sort of happened. There was, you know, Kensington Place and River Cafe and Alistair yes. Little and the whole thing. That just... was the mid-80s. Yeah. But just in terms of people taking restaurant criticism seriously as opposed to seeing it as a link to advertising, which is really what it used to be. When this whole kind of world of writing about food, going out to restaurants suddenly... It's a cultural thing. Yes, it became a, an entertainment. Yeah. And then this is also the era of, you know, kind of the rise of the food critic, as, uh, you know, as uh, Jay Reiner famously said, the food critics of London, you know, writing about restaurants in London is a blood sport. That mm. became kind of a really, <laughs> it's a good line. Yeah. Quite good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, with the rise of restaurants and the, them becoming more and more kind of culturally significant, writing about them and talking about them became a really big deal. Yes, it became part of people's lives. And then restaurants became much more relaxed. It used to be a big difference between sort of stiff, stuffy places and then kind of cafes. And, and now suddenly there was a middle ground and it made a big difference. And now, of course, people eat out as easily as they breathe. Yeah. You know, it's not an event anymore, no. which is great, I think. And you have to kind of bear in mind that for a lot of people, it's still something you may not be an event or something you only do on somebody's birthday, but it's still something you make a plan about and yeah. budget for. And so, yeah. So, so let, let, let's go to the, the nitty-gritty of, of life as a food critic. I still think there is a lot of romance in it. You do think, oh, my God, someone's going to pay for my dinner all the time <laughs> in yeah. amazing restaurants. You eat out how many times a week? 
Really a lot, actually. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, either because I'm doing it for the job or I've been invited somewhere or at the moment I have no kitchen, so I'm doing it to, <laughs> to stay alive. But, yeah, four or five nights a week. What's the thing that you look for? What I try to do is try and judge a restaurant. Is it succeeding in what, in what it sets out to do? Not is it succeeding for me in my idea of a good meal, but, you know, they've, they've made a play. Are they good at what they're offering? That's really interesting. Well, I think it's the only way to do it because, you know, we all have ways in which we like to eat or what we like to eat. So you have to sort of say, okay, these people are putting on loud music or doing this, doing that, because this is their thing. So then you have to judge them on how successful that is. You're kind of juggling with people's livelihoods often. Are I'm very, very aware of that. Are you very conscious of that? Very. You know, if it's a couple who put their life savings into some dismal bistro, then I'll either be very kind or I'll just not write about it. If it's a big corporation doing something frightful, then, you know, it's fair game, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Are you worried, you know, that maybe you got it wrong or maybe you misrepresented, especially with the harsh ones? Yes and no. I mean, I do I do bend over backwards, I think, to be quite fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's never personal, I hope, and I try to be constructive. I think readers do love the bad review. They do. They cannot, yeah. You cannot deny yeah. that. Well, didn't Jay Rayner write a whole book about that? Well, I, <laughs> I think we've quoted uh, Jay Rayner once today. I think yeah. that's plenty, but let's quote <laughs> Faye Mashler on Gordon Ramsay's kidney dish as toxic scum on a stagnant pond. Yeah. I mean, there, is, um, um, there is something about the bad review that, you know, it's not nice to admit, but we do revel in it and it does bring out, yeah. you know, the poet well, in us sometimes. He didn't revel in it. I, no, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. And I'm it sure. was when he was mad about a bar mix, you know, which had just, you know, yeah, making yeah. that foam and he was making foams on everything and he'd made this kidney dish with this foam that did look like scum on a, on a stagnant pond. But it was in the context of actually rather a, an appreciative entry into a guidebook I'd written. Okay. It was aubergine. Okay, so that was yeah, a good review. Yeah, was a good, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> but he, it took a long time to forgive me. He has forgiven. Yeah, he has now. People like Gordon and Nico, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in their day, were the big beasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. And then Marco, I did like, and I thought was extremely talented. Yeah. And uh, then Marco famously said, she didn't give me a good review because I wouldn't go to bed with her. Well, <laughs> this is a long time ago. You can't get out of that one elegantly. You know, no. the more you protest. Yeah. Talk about stagnant pond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do admire Marco. I mean, I do think he is gifted beyond those two. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you walk into a restaurant. You would get recognised. I do a lot, yeah, obviously. And then, you know, you're betrayed constantly by waiters going from one restaurant to another, um, letting you down, recognising you. And so what do you mean? Well, you know, they'll have served you in one restaurant and they go and work for a new one and then they spot you. And then they you would and, know you. Yeah. You know, I book under another name. When Reg, my husband, was still alive, he was a big chap and I would push him forwards and slope in behind him. That was, and also, it's yeah. the last sort of arena of misogyny, I think, restaurants, you know, the staff often prefer to deal with the man, so they will look at the man and have you got a booking and so on, and then I can just creep in. 
men probably get slightly better treatment when they turn when they turn up and either they've booked a table or they want a table. They're probably treated slightly better. Interesting. I think you know than some women my age anyway. Really. Yeah. Yeah, but once you do get recognized, do you feel the do you feel the ripples in the room as it were, or sometimes? sometimes? But you know they can't send out for a new chef. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it, it is it is true, and this is like something that you that that it's very easy for, for people to say, oh yeah yeah he's a restaurant he's getting the treatment, but mm. actually. What's in the kitchen at the time is what's in the kitchen. Yeah, you know? I mean they could re-grill your steak if they thought they hadn't got it quite right. Yeah, but it's still the same. But cow. it's still I the mean, same. Yeah, experience. And actually, having too much attention paid to you can be really tiresome. So it's nicer if you're not recognised. But when you do, do you find that you know people would fuss over you or? Yeah, too you... many. You know, how, how is it, guys? Are you enjoying it? In... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you read the papers tomorrow and you'll find out. <laughs> But I just find all that endless questioning about how is it for you and you know, yeah. unnecessary. Do you get responses to your reviews? Do you get like chefs? Used to much more than now because now there are so many restaurant critics and the, and not just restaurant critics in newspapers, but there's so much social media, there's yeah. so much reaction. So no, not so much. But in the old days, I'd get death threats. Really, death yeah, threats. Yeah, I had a death threat from a waiter actually, who obviously was sacked because of something I said, and he wrote me this note, pencil on a piece of paper, and posted it to me, and it said, "I am coming to stab you to death" or something like that. And I took it to the local police station, and I said, "Look, I just had this letter," and they stared at it for ages, and they said, "Well, think this constitutes a threat." <laughs> But yeah, and then did nothing about it. Anyway, I didn't get stabbed. But you, yeah, you there used to be stabbed. response responses and quite a bit of anti-Semitic stuff too. Really? Yeah. This is even in those days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm not Jewish, but I was married to Tom Mashler, who is Jewish, and I kind of feel Jewish. And uh, <laughs> I used to get yeah, quite quite a few unpleasant. Yeah, I think letters. if you spend a life in food, you kind of are Jewish. You are Jewish. Yeah. Have to be Jewish. <laughs> yeah, you need to. It no. rubs off. Yeah. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, of course, everyone's a critic. Yeah, everyone's uh, got a voice. Everyone's got a voice. And an outlet. What does that do to, to your job? How do you feel it changed that, if at all? Well, it's not for me... To judge really, or I can't judge that. I don't understand this Instagram thing. I don't understand why a picture is thought to be so powerful because uh, they've kind of replaced bloggers, haven't they, Instagrammers? Yeah, yeah. And I don't get it because anyone can take a picture on their iPhone. Um, and it do wouldn't you, make me it? it wouldn't do make you... me go to a restaurant see a picture of a millefeuille or something. Yeah. It just wouldn't. It's not milfoy, it's it's egg sandwiches or the pork yeah. sandwiches. This is what do they call sandu? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. what we need to eat yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Sadly. You don't get carried away in this in the frenzy of of social media. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I take photographs because they're a great aid memoir. Yeah. You know, in the old days, I'd be scribbling notes. Now, a photograph can bring back a lot of the event, as well as the dish. In social media, a lot of new voices coming to the fore and actually did anything kind of caught your imagination or made you pause and reevaluate? I just soldier on. Soldier on. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can be too much influenced, you know, because you lose your way somehow. Yeah. I don't mean to sound so confident because obviously I'm constantly questioning how I do it or whether it's worthwhile. Well, I think actually, you know, for 47 years, I think you've earned the confidence I think yeah, if but, somebody no, can speak still, about this with authority, it's you. Know, things do change. Social media has made a big change. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you have to just think what you're doing has some worth. And, you know, I sometimes run into people who say, oh, I really, really enjoy your writing. And that is nice. Yeah. And also I think you do develop a relationship, you know, with mm. with the people that you read. Well, I try to write as if writing to a friend. Yes. And I think that kind of works. And I do think there's too much now kind of hysteria around food, so I try not to get involved in that, you know, over-praising and talking about it as if it's the second coming. It's not going to be. It's just your tea. Yeah. <laughs> who, who are your, your favourite writers, your favourite food writers? About now? writing about food. About restaurants, about food, yeah. Well, Marina O'Loughlin, who's yeah. also a good friend of mine. Um, I used to really like Tracy McLeod's writing. Yes. Uh, Tim Hayward, I think, is really good. Tim Hayward's an amazing yeah. writer. Yeah, really yeah. good writer and very intelligent. And yeah. watching advertising like most of them did. Marina did too. I mean, it's funny really? how many people have come out of copywriting. Yeah. yeah. Any advice for someone who wants to go into that field? Just keep writing, really. And, you know, send your writing to whoever might be interested. Apply to as many food critic competitions <laughs> as you can. They don't seem to exist anymore. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I was when you asked me who I admire, I admire Ed Smith, who writes as Rocket and Squash. Yeah. I think he writes really well. I think his judgment's really good. Yeah. He's kind of very calm and... Yeah, he's not... Unflamboyant. Frothing at the mouth yeah. every... And doesn't sandwich. get easily led down the 
know, garden path. And his judgment on restaurants, I think, is acute. Yeah. Mm. Ed Cumming, I know, who writes for The Independent. Yeah. I like the way he ends his reviews saying, would I go back? Would I take my parents? And I think that's such <laughs> a good pair of questions. Yeah, that's yeah. a good benchmark. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you often say... That was terrific. See you never. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. No, because it, because it is for for various reasons. Mm. You'd say, okay, it's just not. You know, you can say, okay, they've fulfilled their ambition, but I have not fulfilled my ambition for yeah. a great evening. Yeah. I was introduced to Faye's books. Faye wrote three books. Three books for children. Yeah. yeah. I've written other books too. Which are fantastic. I can't tell you. I had some. I spent all day with them. And it was kind of like, for me, I was starting to cook from a very, very young age. And my brother and I had this, you know, dish of roasted chicken and spices. And then we had this dish that we called onion rice. That was rice that we cooked in a ton of margarine with a lot of onion. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I kind of stumbled upon recipes that, you know, for a tandoori chicken, for pilau rice that I thought, you know, I could relate to how a child will cook that. But what drove you to... To write this book. Yeah, how, how, how did Well, I have three you? children who are now sort of grisly grey adults, but <laughs> when they were little, it was the game they would play for longest and with most concentration and with most pleasure, really. So I wrote a book called Cooking's a Game You Can Eat, and it was really dedicated to them because, you know, we'd, we'd do all the things you do, like making chocolate cornflakes and things, but I would take it a bit further. And then... As a sequel, I wrote Cooking is a Way Around the World to say that cooking is a language, you know, and once you can speak it, it opens up all kinds of possibilities and yeah. pleasures. And I think you're talking about that book when you're talking about your Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one and, I cooked and the for. Rice. And I was, yeah. you know, I could see myself as a child just spending so much time there, <laughs> really. Because I, I, I do think that uh, it is... Very often we are kind of very protective of children, especially, you know, in the kitchen. And yeah. that. I when, once was asked, you know, what would you teach a child to go to say, you know, chop a salad? And you say, mm. okay, so you'd give a child a massive knife. Yeah. I didn't think about it, but yeah, you know, we were chopping salads as kids and yeah. we enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and we got some little cuts maybe, but it's fine. Yes. I mean, the publisher would always say things like, make sure you're wearing oven gloves, you know, yeah. things like that, but you, know, you have to put that in. <laughs> and then I did a television series called Teach Your Child to Cook. And it was my um, agent of the time. It was his idea for a title because there'd been a hugely successful book called Teach Your Child to Read. So he said, call it Teach Your Child to Cook. Anyway, it wasn't hugely successful. But I still think there's a lot of worth in it because it was just learning a few things, dough, a roux, uh, separating an egg, you know, and everything that spreads from that. Um, and I still think that stands up well. Yeah. Anyway, we did this cookery program on which was on two o'clock in the afternoon in August, you know, watched by postman. <laughs> <laughs> but this postman, his child, can cook yes. a souffle that you would not believe. But I also want to ask you about children in restaurants. Mm. Discuss. Yeah, well, it's it's a problem, isn't it? Well, if you if you believe that children should eat differently to adults and should colour in all the time that they're eating. You know, I think it's up to parents to not approach eating out that way or restaurants that way, not let them rampage around. You know, French children don't do that. Italian yeah. children don't do that. Food's such a weird topic for the British. They're, they're mostly frightened of it, I think. Do you think? 
Mm, lots of people still. Mm. Like about the, the ceremony or the... The ceremony, the, the kind of strangeness of it. They want to stick to things they know. They give children things they know. They don't encourage them necessarily to experiment. I mean, what's good, I think all children love Chinese food. So, you know, that's a good place to start, to go to a Chinese restaurant. And then they're much more adventurous. Yeah. So we, were your children, were they... They love Chinese food. They still, <laughs> they still, well, yeah, still you know, do. Yeah. But you would take them to, I don't know, Kensington Place or... I would take them with me a lot. And it was interesting, they would respond. I remember taking them to, it was probably the Ritz or the Connaught, but somewhere very fancy. And they realised they had to behave, you know. They breathed in the mm -hmm. idea that you jolly well yeah. didn't rush about yeah, poking people with thought. Yeah, from the world <laughs> yeah. sometimes. So, you know, I used to think that was good. They would understand that you had to behave and respond. Before we close, I'm going to ask the question that people are going to ask here. Where do you eat now? Where should we eat? Where should we go to? Um, what, right this minute? Yeah, of course right this minute. <laughs> Plus, in 45, in 45 minutes, it'll be, you know... Well, I reviewed a place recently, which I really, really like, because it was just, I think, a restaurant, as it should be, which is called Emile oh, yeah. in Curtin Road in Shoreditch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the guy who used to be the chef at Petersham Nurseries. And Petersham Nurseries then, you know, has spread to Covent Garden. He said, yeah. I just want to be back doing what I like, which is cooking. You know, I don't want to run all kinds of yeah. outlets. Um, and he cooks really well. And the wines are chosen really well, and it's not too expensive. We could, I don't think we'd all fit perennial, in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Perennial favourites? Well, when I'm asked, and I often am, uh, where I like to go best, I either say what Quentin used to say, or it might have been Clement Freud used to say, go where you're known best, because that's yeah. where you'll have the best time. And where I'm known best is, or where I'm known very well, is a restaurant called Riva in Barnes, yeah. Italian restaurant. I really like Andrea Riva, and I don't. I mean, there's the great luxury of not having to choose. He just brings food that and wines, really is good a wines. Luxury. Yeah, it is. That a luxury. is true luxury, yeah. and it's good. I food. just go with my wife, and this happens to me as well. Food just arrives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, you are brimming with questions, thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you want to share with the group. Now is the time for you. Yes, my dear. Has anyone ever tried to bribe you? Oh, I wish. That's a I wish. good yeah. question. Let me ask you, has anyone ever tried to bribe you? And uh, I'm just repeating. No, not really. That's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> We had a death threat, though, open. so we'll have yeah. to... Yeah. <laughs> um, open to bribery. Open to bribery. Yes, my dear. What are your top three restaurants in London? Oh. Okay, top three top restaurants three. in London. Brat, I really like. Of course, it's in Shoreditch. You don't need to ask. Everything's you don't need to ask. If it's a restaurant, it's in Shoreditch. That's that's a given. If it's not in Shoreditch, we don't go there. Well, Reva, you said. Well, Reva, I said, yes. But then, you know, I say to people about Reva, if you're going to go to Reva, go with, come with me. Don't go without me. Um, oh, God, I don't know. Sorry, my mind always goes blank. It also seems a bit invidious to say... Don't worry about it. <laughs> Guys, I want you please to join me with saying a big thank you to Faye here. It's been such a privilege. Such an honor. Always, always, always. Such a privilege. That interview was part of our series, Who Run the World? Celebrating Women in Food. Thanks to our guest, Faye Mashler. 
Thank you also to all the incredible women of Honey & Co., especially Louisa Cornford, she helps us with everything podcast, and to Miranda Hinckley, the producer. Drop us an email with your thoughts, feedbacks, questions. You can email us at podcast at honeyandco.co.uk or you can find us on social media at Honey & Co. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get the rest of the series. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.